The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. As we turn to greet one another this morning, it's still flu season, so how about fist bumps instead of handshakes? We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. We are so glad that you are here. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a black folder that we call the Friendship Pad. Last week, we, my husband and I were in worship at National Press in Washington, D.C., and the, the Friendship Pad worked. I filled it out. I said, Dave and Kathy Sizer, Laguna Beach. We passed it down the row, and at the end of the service, the lady sitting next to us said, Hi, Dave. Hi, Kathy. That's the way it's supposed to work. So uh, just saying, that's when you've, after you fill it out and you pass it down, you might peek and see the names of those other people in your row, and you could actually say hello to them at the end of the service, which would be a great thing. So let's see if we can make that work today. I encourage you to fill it out and to pass it down. This week on Wednesday begins the season of Lent. We're beginning with an Ash Wednesday service, which is at 7 p.m. here it is a wonderful way to begin the season of Lent as we walk with Jesus toward the cross. We'll receive the sign of the ashes and also communion. The service is about an hour or a little less, and we hope that you'll join us here Wednesday evening and invite others to come too. Everyone is welcome to be a part of that. This coming Saturday, Steve Sweet, our other associate pastor, is being installed as the moderator of Los Ranchos Presbytery. That means he's sort of in charge of the whole presbytery, which is the whole region of approximately Orange County. That's hap you can see where that's happening, and you can come and be there when Steve is installed and be part of his sort of silent cheering crowd that is there with him and help him to feel supported. You look inside, and you can see where it is. It's in Garden Grove. And also that same night, we have a family fun night at 5 o'clock. Always lots of fun, especially if you have children who are school-aged or younger. Next Sunday at the 10 o'clock hour, we have a presentation by Darylin and Ken Cornelison about their trip to Uganda and Kenya. They supported a little girl through World Vision all through the years in Uganda. And when she got ready to get married, she said to Ken, I want you to be the person who gives me away in my wedding. So they went and participated in a Ugandan wedding with all the trappings and all the clothes, and it was really quite wonderful. They're going to talk about that at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning up in Hills Hall above the Rose Garden. And at 11.30 the same day, our group that's going to Scotland invites you to come and join them in hearing about our Scottish heritage from Dr. Rebecca Pritchard, who is quite an expert in Scotland, and she'll be talking to us about that. That's all next Sunday. Uh, we also are beginning our parenting classes March 1st. That is a week from tomorrow night. You can see how to sign up for that. It is particularly for parents of children 0 to 6. And it is, uh, we are bringing in some experts who have been doing a wonderful job of teaching a parenting program in La Cunada. There's also a Greek cooking class coming up from, with Anna Kafalis. You can see the information and date about that. And two weeks from today, we have a new members class. So if you've been attending and you'd like to know more about us, or if you're thinking about maybe joining us, it's a chance to do that. It is right after second service over in Tankersley Hall, two weeks from today. Also, the, Laguna, the LPC Heritage Foundation, A Lasting Legacy, has a booth outside and would love to talk to you about how you can leave a lasting legacy to the church in your will. Uh, this, I, I found out this morning a special birthday of the day. Somebody is 90 years old today. Bill Parrish, congratulations. You're a very young 90. And we also have a 50th anniversary. Gerd and John Gilbert, the flowers are in honor of 50th anniversary. Congratulations. 
Uh, one of our members, Andy Pete, went to be in the presence of the Lord this week, and he, uh, his wife Shirley is here, and the service will be a little later on this month. We'll give you some more information about that. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord, who spins shining stars across the wondrous heavens and stretches out the seas, who lifts the dawn into place and sets boundaries for night, who awes the earth with storms and gentles it with green, who gives everything a season and breathes life and love into the dust of each of us. Praise be to you as we come to worship you today through Christ our Lord. Amen. of the psalmist call us to worship. Let us join together responsibly. The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. We will extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. The Lord our God is holy. And so let us stand and praise God in song.
and seated on the throne, high and exalted together. I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted, and the train of his
still and know. And so let us pray responsively. We come to be still before you, O God, to confess what you already know. We have failed to keep your law. Again and again, we have followed our own way rather than your life-giving way. Again and again, we have distorted your word to suit our own desires. Again and again, we have twisted your way for personal gain or political control. Forgive us, O God. Cleanse us from our sin, both known and unknown. Transform us, even in this moment, into the likeness of Jesus Christ, our servant King. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Now the Spirit of the Lord, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Trust the good news. In Jesus Christ, we're forgiven and transformed. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Amen.
We are getting close to the beginning of the Lenten season. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, which makes Tuesday Fat Tuesday. And this is Transfiguration of Our Lord Sunday. The church in history has set aside this time as a time to invest in the disciplines of coming close to God at the invitation of Jesus. And so today we read this text in Exodus chapter 19 with an understanding that there is an invitation from the Old Testament through to the end of the New Testament of coming close to God because God has come close to us. And this is repeated over and over and over again. On that Mount of Transfiguration, there was a cloud that covered Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and all three of the disciples were with them. And after the cloud lifted, there was only one person focused on. It was the presence of Jesus himself, Jesus alone. When the Old Testament cloud finally lifts, after hundreds and hundreds of years, we discover that the essence and fullness of God is all embodied in Jesus Christ. And so we enter into these texts with that knowledge as if looking back, but also discovering some eternal meanings in what happens here in this text. There is controversy here. This text is not typically listed in the liturgical preaching texts because there are some passages here that make preachers nervous. One of those has to do with the attitude that God is a terrifying presence and don't come close or you'll die. That doesn't work very well from a New Testament perspective of getting close to Jesus. The second attribute is that God is not comfortable with sex. So if you're going to be in the presence of God, then don't have sex. Well, that also makes us nervous as well. So, In spite of the fact that this text is left out, I've decided to preach it, which tells you something about the craziness of how I often work. (laughs) So listen to God's word as we hear it from Exodus chapter 19. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare for the third day, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set limits for the people all around the mountain, saying, be careful not to go up the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Any who touch the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch them, but they shall be stoned or shot with arrows. Whether animal or human being, they shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, prepare for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire and the smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak 
and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people not to break through to the Lord to look. Otherwise, many of them will perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people are not permitted to come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and keep it holy. The Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let either the priests or the people break through to come to the Lord. Otherwise, God will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them the word of the Lord. Now you can see that this text puts us in some dilemmas. The people are so terrified of God, they don't want to approach God, and God is so definitive about boundaries that if you cross one, you're dead. That makes Christians nervous. Makes everybody nervous. What do we do with this text? A few weeks ago, I talked about the pain of losing our cat, Bijou. It was a very high grieving moment for our whole family. But since then, we have recruited a new cat by the name of Zuzu. My daughter loves France and French-speaking people, and so everything has a certain French flavor to it in the household. I think I've learned something about boundaries from Zuzu the cat. It's about 10 months old. When Zuzu sees me coming, Zuzu runs. I don't know why. I'm there every day, and I'm friendly, and I speak nicely to the cat, and every time I come by, the cat looks at me big-eyed and just runs off. The only time that doesn't happen is when I kneel down and put my hand out, and she comes up and sniffs the hand, and then I can pet the cat. But I'm on her level. Or when I kneel on the ground or I lay on the floor, she comes up quickly to make friendship. But she comes always cautiously and carefully. She's always testing the boundaries of my relationship with her. Now, I think that's what's going on in this text. These people don't know God. Moses has spent a lot of time with God. But the people are very cautious, particularly a God who shows up in fire and lightning and thunder and earthquakes and a dense cloud. That's a God who scares people. And the people are wisely not sure about getting close to that God. Not only that, but God is clear about saying, I don't want them to get close to me at this point. But when I invite them to come, then I'll have them come closer. There is a clear boundary that is kept until God puts the invitation out. And that is true for God all the way through history. We human beings are cut off from God unless God comes to us. And even when God comes to us, if we are recognizing that fact, we are going to treat it cautiously and curiously. God is saying to Moses clearly in the going down and coming up language that Israel is needing to keep boundaries before they come to meet God face to face. God clearly comes down to us over and over again in Scripture. The final rendition of that, of course, is in Jesus Christ, 
who is called Emmanuel, who is God who comes down to walk with us. God accessible to us. God is getting ready throughout the process of Scripture to be a God who invites people to come close. And this is kind of the beginning of that relationship for a lot of people. God speaks to Moses. God, Moses listens and then Moses speaks to the people. Moses is here doing shuttle diplomacy, you'll notice. He is literally at the top of the mountain talking to God. He's at the bottom of the mountain talking to the people. He goes up to the top of the mountain, talks to God again, goes down to the bottom of the mountain and talks to the people again, goes up to the top of the mountain, has another conversation, and, and God right away sends him back down again. Moses is in very good physical condition. <laughs> and the people are still wondering who God is. There are clear warnings here if people want to move too fast and too intimately into the presence. They keep good boundaries because God has set boundaries not to destroy people, but to make sure that they develop good disciplines to be in God's presence over a period of time. Not to take the presence too casually to keep the boundaries, not cross the limits, to respect God's space, to honor the words and the directions coming from God. One of the authors that have made boundaries so understandable is the author Anne Catherine. She's written a few books on boundaries, and she says this essentially, a boundary is a limit that promotes integrity promoting the special treasure of each unique life. In other words, if we have good boundaries, then we really value the person who is within those boundaries. If we don't have good values, good boundaries, then we really aren't valuing the person we're talking to. She goes to say also that a boundary is a membrane. It keeps a living thing intact, allows positive things through, and keeps harmful things out. I think that's a good definition of what's going on here. Moses, you come up because you and I have a good relationship, but those people, they don't know who I am. I'm not even sure I know who they are. Keep them away. Let them learn how to be in relationship like you have Moses, but it's going to take time, it's going to take discipline, it's going to take preparation, and they need to listen to the boundaries. Or the way I would put this, if we don't abide by good boundaries, then we do significant damage to human relationships and our relationship with God. Now, who are these people? These people have been enslaved for centuries. And we know that people who have been abused do not have good boundaries. What is God trying to give them? God is trying to teach them about how to value the beingness, the presence of another person. God, Moses, and each other. And isn't that what we're trying to teach our children as they grow up? That they, if they have good boundaries to value other human beings they may grow up into maturity. People who have been abused often lose the ability to discern good boundaries. And I think we're a society struggling with a lot of bad boundaries. Almost every news item is about boundaries. The Harvey Weinstein's trial about sexual boundaries. The Boy Scout bankruptcy about gender boundaries, the immigration boundaries, and whether to build walls or not. The Catholic Church priest scandal is about misused boundaries. Baseball is talking a lot about the lack of boundaries around stealing pitching signs. Almost every conversation has to do with whether or not we respect the right boundaries. And so the core of this text is, 
Israel, you're clueless. God is going to teach Moses, and Moses will teach you how to respect proper boundaries in relationship to who God is. One of the most recent cases of the abuse of sexual boundaries came as a shock to a number of people. You are being invited to use Henri Nouwen as a source in your Lenten readings. It's a little booklet that you can take. But Henri Nouwen was the friend of a man, a Canadian Catholic man by the name of Jean Vanier. And it's just come out that Jean Vanier, who established a series of wonderful communities where abled and disabled people could be in community together to care about each other, had a history of abusing women. And it's come out that he was not only doing that, but he was actually a member of a secret sexual deviant society that kept feeding his dark side. And so the large community has come out and said, such abuse is a contradiction with the values of Jean Vanier and are, in, are incompatible with the basic rules of respect and integrity of persons and contrary to the fundamental principles on which L'Arche is built. He was manipulative and emotionally abusive, misusing sex in the context of giving spiritual direction. Now, I think that is the struggle here in the text of why this is such a complicated interpretive question. You have here the issue of sexual boundaries and disciplines, connected to the preparation of being in God's presence. There is a deep connection between sexuality and spirituality, and it's about whether or not we develop healthy boundaries and disciplines. For people who have participated in spiritual development and spiritual direction, you know that there's a certain sexuality about it. There's a certain sensuality about it. For people who have developed a healthy approach to sexuality, you know there's a definite spirituality about it. And what this text says is, keep good boundaries. And it's one thing we human beings over and over have a hard time doing. Even those of us who follow Jesus, as Jean Vanier did, we just aren't well prepared to keep good boundaries. So in Exodus 19, we have a connection between the respect for God's boundaries and the developing discipline of sexual behavior and boundaries itself. And there is a connection in the Torah and the law between spirituality and sexuality. And it continues to be developed into the New Testament. To learn good discipline, to keep healthy boundaries, has impact on how we behave spiritually and how we behave sexually. Now, as a little reflection on my relationship with my wife, I want to go to our original date about boundaries. We went out for the first time. She was a student at UCLA, and I was a Baptist pastor. So you have to understand the context here. We were set up by a mutual friend who thought we would make a good connection. She was dubious about it, to say the least. However, she decided not to go to the USC-UCLA football game to go out with me. That was a big sacrifice. So she came loaded with bears. If you don't know the sacrifice I've made to be here, so you better be good. <laughs> I got the message bright and clear. And she had a checklist. This was not just a casual conversation. This was, okay. I'm going to interview you to see if you have good boundaries, boundaries that I can live with. First of all, I'm not marrying any Baptist preacher. Well, that pretty well summed up the future of my Baptist relationship. Secondly, you need to strongly consider becoming a Presbyterian if we have a chance to keep going out. As you can tell, I was shy about that. I'm not in the Presbyterian church. There were other things along the way as I needed to love classical music but be open to pop, jazz, and rock. 
Now, that was a bit of a sacrifice because I didn't grow up with pop, jazz, and rock. I just grew up with classical. It would be helpful if I was a graduate of the University of California because that's where she was going to school and she wanted some equity in that relationship of education. Fortunately, I had graduated from UC Riverside. It was important that I embraced an equal partnership in marriage because she was a career woman and she wasn't going to take any hierarchical guff from her husband about being in a career. I want to make sure that was really clear at the beginning. Uh, she's looking for mutuality and reciprocity. And then she finally said, I have a few friends, like about 15 or 20 of them, that have to meet you in order for me to agree to go out with you again. If they like you, I'll consider it. We've been married about 50 years. Almost. Now, she's not here to defend herself, but I'm sure if you catch her when she comes back into church, she will validate that moment. So I learned from the beginning of our relationship that she was establishing boundaries, and if I crossed those boundaries in the wrong way, I was dead meat. We were eating in a restaurant called Cask and Cleaver. It's the cutting edge of boundaries. Now, I've learned some boundaries from another situation. I've been trying to understand what it was like for Israel to see God on that mountain and to respect God from a distance. When I was at the National Presbyterian Church that uh, Kathy and Dave just visited last Sunday... One of the members of that church was Condoleezza Rice. He's a good Presbyterian, even to this day a Presbyterian. And um, I discovered right away in being at the National Presbyterian Church that when a person of state's quality came into the building, they were surrounded by secret service. And so I couldn't get to Condoleezza Rice just by going up and shaking her hand or giving her a hug. That wouldn't work. Because, you see, the Secret Service would intervene on the spot, and they were carrying guns. So the implication was, don't you approach the Secretary of State until the Secretary of State approaches you. I think that's what's going on here. And so I learned the behavior pattern, and she invited me to go to the State Department to visit her, and I had to learn more protocols. I had to get security clearances. I had to get prepared. I had to do study in order to walk into the building and be registered in the right way. And then when I got there, they had to clear me and through several processes. And then finally, I was invited up to the upper floor where her office is. And I was surrounded by people who were protecting her until I got into her room. I think access to God is not nearly as easy as we would like to think it is. Even with Jesus, there's a sense in which you'd better be prepared to walk the walk. Because it's not going to be a casual relationship. You get involved with Jesus, he's going to take you where you may not want to go. Because God will take you where God wants to take you, and you've got to be prepared to say, okay, let's go. And there's a preparation process to get there. The art of preparation is about keeping the boundaries, preparation and the meeting and the following of the protocols and not forcing the relationship. That little term of don't let them break in to see what they're not supposed to see. By that word, that little by the word see has sexual overtones in it. Don't let them see the side of God that's too intimate too soon. It's not about keeping people out. It's about making sure the people are prepared when they are invited in. And that's what Lent is about. Lent is about having time and space to be in reflection and prayer and preparation so that when God invites us to come, we are prepared to go.
It's not an act of disrespect to go unless we're not ready. In this chapter, God is envisioned as a fiery, thundery, stormy, earthquaking presence. If you look at the painting on the front of your bulletin, you will see a rendition of the moment. It is done by an American-Israeli artist by the name of Yoram Ra'anan. Yoram has painted lots of biblical metaphors and pictures. And he is probably in his late 60s at this point, but in, in 2016, living in the north part of Jerusalem near the forests in the mountains of Jerusalem, They were going through a heat wave like Australia has been through and like we've been through, and suddenly fire was burning everything down. And the forest around his his home and his studio caught fire, and he was driven out of his house one night along with his family, and they looked back to see his studio going up in flames. He lost an entire life's work of original paintings. Between 1,500 and 1,000 sketches and paintings. He lost it all in one night. And the amazing thing that happened in his life was because he had invested this entire life pattern since he became an artist in the presence of a living God who he had come to know as a Jewish person of faith, his reaction to the moment was, God's going to bring something good out of this. Because he understood God was a God of dis- could bring destruction for the purpose of recreating the future. Because he knew God and he knew the boundaries and he knew the limits, he was being able to see this moment not as a loss of everything he loved in life, but as a new beginning to start even a new way of re- rendering God's picture to people. And what you have in front of you there is the second rendition after the fire of how he saw this moment of Israel before God on Mount Sinai. Much darker and much more fiery. And yet, as he would say, much more full of a sense of God is gracious and kind and merciful and loving in the midst of the fire. It took him 40 years to discover that but it took the fire to prove it. So when you have something that goes really haywire in your life, if you've not respected God's boundaries and if you've not invested in the preparation processes of knowing God and being in God's presence, when something horrendous happens to you, you're not ready. It may kill you. And what Moses is saying in this text is, God is saying, I'm inviting you to come close but you'd better get ready for a wild ride. And it's going to be good. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may you teach us the value of honoring good boundaries for you and for one another. That our spirituality and our sexuality might come into balance with integrity. And may you help us to be people of balance and integrity in this world that is so distorted and off-kilter. That the love of Jesus might transform even as Jesus was transfigured. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Let us continue to pray. O God of the burning mountain, holy and exalted God, we thank you that you're a God who desires relationship with us, that you have come close to us in Jesus Christ, and that you bend down to listen to us and to care for us. You know the places in our lives and in our world where boundary lines have been violated and the suffering which that has caused. So bring your healing, restoring love 
to each who finds themselves in pain today. We pray for the broken places in our own lives and in our world. For those who are caught in inhumanity and violence. For those whose relationships are strained and breaking. For those affected by flooding, particularly in our southern states. For those who desperately long for a safe home. We cry out to you on behalf of those who are affected by the coronavirus, praying for healing and for containment of that virus. And we pray for all whose bodies or minds need your healing and those who watch and wait with them today. Comfort those who grieve. Give strength to those who face surgery. Encourage to those who are working hard to recover their health and strength. And so we pray as you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. One of the ways that we use money is to buy access to things that give us privilege. To cross the boundaries without doing the work. And so today when we give, it is an invitation on God's part for us to enter into our willingness to lay down that desire to manipulate with money and to say it all belongs to God. So, Lord, teach us about good boundaries as we give the money that you've given to us. May that be a pattern of life that we're willing to buy into, that we would be a servant people of good boundaries. Where you go,
as we follow you, gracious God, we want to see Jesus as the one who has emerged out of the cloud and the confusion, out of the intensity. May you teach us good boundaries through the example and the teaching of Jesus as we are willing to follow close. That we might carry your word and your way and these gifts out to the world. And we might give of ourselves as you have given yourself to us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As this service concludes, if you would like someone to pray for you or to pray with you, there'll be some people over here by the baptismal font and they would love to do that. I'd like to remind you that we encourage you to consider a devotional pattern during the Lent period. And this one from Henri Nouwen is about suffering that leads to salvation. I think the texts of the Bible always lead to a good place out of a hard place. And surely this text we study today does that. Because in the hard place, we learn to respect good boundaries so that when things are good, we help them to be even better. May you go with that great blessing from the book of Exodus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord kneel before you and lift you up and carry you out that you might turn to your neighbors and friends to do likewise. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you shalom, a way of wholeness, so that you can turn to your neighbors and help them in their journey to wholeness in the vision of God and the disciplines of good boundaries. Amen. Thank you.